Hello and welcome to the Drink In Geek Out podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and talk about it. Today's topics are Game of Thrones Season 2. We will be drinking beers from Hop River Brewing Company called the Midnight Retreat Imperial Stout. And also we will be drinking a beer from Brewery Omagang called Game of Thrones Winter is Here. So this is a not a light episode anymore. It's me. I'm leading it. Not the whole cruise here, but I do have a special guest with me. Uh, my guest is Kayla, my wife. Hello. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. You are? I'm glad to be a part of today's show. I know. It's been a while since you've been on. I know. I've been taking care of our baby. Yeah. And you've been doing a hell of a job. He's going to be seven months old. Can you believe it? I can't. The time is flying. Seems like we just had him. So. Yeah, definitely. So before we get started, I wanted to mention the Hopped Up Network. We are a proud member of the Hopped Up Network. There is some really great podcasts on there talking about beer, giving insight to their craft beer communities. You know, some of them do inter- interviews, some of them just drink beer. Some of them are like us, talk about movies. Some of these great podcasts are Barrel Chat, Beer Guts, Behind the Cops, Building Breweries, Craft House Cinema, Hops and Chit, On Tap with Corey and Ira, Out Here Having a Pint, Pacific Beer Chat, The Speak Podcast, WNY Brews, and Women Drinking Beer. All great podcasts. You should check them out at hoppedupnetwork.com. So let's get into Game of Thrones Season 2. Season 2 premiered April 1st to June 3rd, 2012. The show covers most of A Clash of Kings, which is the book, and the primary filming took place in Ireland, Croatia, and Iceland. So give me your overall thoughts on Season 2. I would say Season 2 is not as exciting as Season 1. I, I guess I enjoyed season one better, but I feel like season two had a lot more set up to get us to season three as far as characters and people and storyline and setting things up for bigger battles and stuff like that. Yeah, I felt like season one started off really, uh, really hot and mm-hmm. um, season two kind of was like a like a bridge between season one and season three. Like, there was just a lot of, like, storytelling in season two. Right. Kind of like a lot of, like you said, a lot of setup to get to season three. Not a lot of... And I think you start to see a lot more of who the characters really are. Like, you kind of get a glimpse of everybody in season one. And now you're starting to see who the main... I mean, there's many characters, but who the main characters along the storyline will be. Right. And how their character develops and to the storyline. Right. So if you go back to our episode we did on season one, a lot of shit happened. Mm-hmm. And season two is really like the aftermath of all of that. Right. Yeah. So really, I there's a lot of new storylines starting in season two. Yes. And it just kind of takes a while to like get it going. There's Well, there's new storyline, but there's also continuation, like you said, aftermath of whatever's happened in season one as far as the king's dead. Well, he's not the king, but he was Lord of Winterfell is dead. And so now it's like 
what happens now to Winterfell and what happens to his children and his wife and all that. Right. Yeah, and then you have like a cast of new characters coming in. So that's where like the a lot and, of the new stories start. And what happens when word gets out that they've killed the Lord of Winterfell and the king's hand and all that. So Right. Yep. So not not as strong, but still enjoyable. Still enjoyable and it was necessary for that to kind of get the get moving at a, you know, better pace, get more exciting into season 3. Right. So I'll just talk about the season two plot. We're not going to go over like episode by episode like we did in season one. Um, that kind of got long winded. We got we, Yes, I think we went way too much into detail. Too much into detail. I think we were just super excited to talk about it yeah, we and were, geek out. <laughs> hell yeah. We were, we were pushing an hour and what, 25 minutes on I think, that? Yeah, I think because we talked about every episode and we just went way deep into it. And- yeah. We basically almost acted out the whole season for you. (laughs) (laughs) Like you don't even have to watch it. So we're going to do this and we're going to make, we're going to like leave you wanting to watch season two. Right. We're going to leave some mystery to it a little bit. All right. So the season two plot, season two spans several months on a world where the seasons last for years at a time. The seven kingdoms are at war with the king in the north, Rob Stark, fighting to win independence for his people. Rob decides that he must win the allegiance of the fiercely independent Ironborn to his cause and sends his best friend Theon Greyjoy to treat with his father. Meanwhile, Joffrey Baratheon holds the Iron Throne with the backing of the powerful House Lannister, but his uncle Renly has also claimed the throne with the support of House Tyrell, whose armies are much larger. As they struggle for the throne, Tyrion Lannister arrives in King's Landing to take matters in hand. However, there is another faction entering the picture. Stannis Baratheon, Robert's younger brother and Renly's older, has also claimed the Iron Throne. A proven battle commander and veteran of several several wars, Stannis is known to be utterly without mercy to his enemies and will do what is right even if it destroys him. Advising him is Melisandre, an enigmatic priestess from the east who believes Stannis is meant for a greater destiny and Sir Davos Seaworth, an honest and honorable man uneasy with the shift in power at Stannis's court. Far to the east, Daenerys Targaryen has hatched the only three dragons in the world. Eventually, they will grow into terrifying monsters capable of destroying cities at her command, but for now they are still hatchlings and vulnerable. With her Kalasar gone, Daenerys and her small band of followers must find a way across a forbidding wasteland and find new allies to support her claim to the Iron Throne. So we talked about new characters that come on to the show. There's just a small bit of characters. Kaylee, you want to mention them? Yeah, there's uh, four basically main new characters. There's always little small parts, but um, the first one is Stannis Baratheon played by Stephen Delane. He is the younger brother of King Robert Baratheon. We have Marjorie Tyrell, who is played by Natalie Dormer, and she is a member of House Tyrell. Uh, We have Melisandre, played by Carice Van Houten. She's the Red Priestess advisor to Stannis. And we have Davos Seaworth, played 
played by Liam Cunningham, and he is a loyal friend to Stannis. So anything interesting that we should kind of mention on the new characters? I feel like these characters were all introduced this season, but they're going to play an even bigger part in season three. Like, these all got introduced for a reason. They're not just like little side characters that have a little piece here and there. They're going to be main characters later on. Yeah. Um, Marjorie Tyrell is she's the brother or the sister of Loris Tyrell. Right. Which I think we might have mentioned him in season one episode. I think so. Vaguely. Yeah. Um, she's plays yeah, a bigger part as the series goes on. Um, Stannis, like all four of these characters play a bigger part later on in the series. They just got introduced this season, but they will have a a bigger piece to the story as the seasons go on. They're not just here and then gone. Because you'll find out like in Game of Thrones, a lot of characters get introduced and then they get killed off like three episodes later. And you're like, oh, well, I liked that person. Now they're dead. So yeah, um, these people actually get to stay around and play a big part of the show. Yeah, they definitely do. They're not just like quick one season hit wonders. Right. And if you'd like a full list of the characters, we did talk about all the characters in season one. So you can go back and listen to that episode again to get all the characters. Yeah, definitely. Or you could Google, check Google. Google has all your answers. Yeah, but it's more fun to listen to us talk about season one and geek out again. Oh, that is true. Yeah. So let's do that instead of Google. Yeah, forget about Google. Don't do it the easy way. Don't don't cheat. Let's go back and listen to the episode. Just go and listen to it again. Yep. All right, so we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments. They're not like they're like moments that we like we enjoyed or they mo- moments that like kind of like affected us emotionally or kind of did something. I, I wouldn't say favorite moments, they were moments that were memorable. Yeah, memorable, like they stick out. Yes. Yeah, and they kind of define the Cuz the there's going to be moments we're going to talk about that you're like you really liked that part? No, I didn't really like that part, but it stood it out just in my out mind. In my, yeah, exactly. So you want to start? Uh, sure. So my first moment was um, when Theon Greyjoy is in Winterfell, and he's giving a speech to his army because he's supposedly leaving, leading this army into battle. And as he he's giving this really epic speech, and if you know Theon Greyjoy, he's kind of timid and everybody his father's been telling him he's not nothing he's become a stark and you turned your back on us and he kind of is giving this speech and really getting into it and you kind of like yeah he's finally leading him and just as he's about to be done and lead his troops his like right hand guy comes up and knocks his ass out (laughs) (laughs) and they're all like rebelling against him and so they knock him out and tie him up and take him off you don't really get to see what happens to him yet. After that, you'll see that in season three. But it was just like so epic. And he's finally getting his own speech. And he's getting to lead the troop. And then they're just like, nah, just kidding. You just sit down. We're going to take it from here. Yeah. It was pretty like a pretty passionate speech. And he was finally like coming out of his shell, you know, kind of taking, kind of felt like he was finding himself and kind of like wanting to prove his father wrong. Right. It just felt like he was finally becoming a leader and then they take it away from him and you're like oh no yeah it's, theon i'm so sorry it's like oh and then, and then it gets so much worse for him later yeah on. 
Yeah, he's not going to have a good life in the next few seasons, but we'll talk yeah. about that in season three. Yeah. So my number one was pretty much the whole um, episode of Battle at, Bla- Battle at Blackwater Bay mm-hmm. when Stannis takes his troops and uh, heads towards King's Landing mm-hmm. and Joffrey and Tyrion, they're putting their battle armor on and getting their troops ready to go. And there was a scene where you, where the Stannis is bringing his boats up to the the beach, getting ready to start their war. And there's this one boat of um, the Lannisters kind of floating out there in the in the sea, and nobody's on the boat, and everybody's confused. What's going on? Where's this boat come from? There's nobody on there, and and they notice there's something spilling from the back of the boat. That's like a lime green color. Mm-hmm. And you look over back at by the beach and who, Bron, who, who that Bron, yeah. He, yeah, it's Bron. He lights an arrow on fire, mm-hmm. shoots it into the water, and just blows up all of the <laughs> of the um, ships. And it's not just like it catches on fire. No, it blows up. Like there's several dozens of explosions. It's and really awesome. People, you know, flying in the water. And what do they call that again? They call it wildfire? Wildfire, yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. That was It was unexpected cuz you sometimes you see the plan going to kind of unfold about what's going to happen, but you don't really notice it until you see the green cuz they talk about this wildfire. It's a liquid, but they talk about this wildfire earlier in the season. Yeah. And when the battle comes and you see that green, you're like, "Holy shit, I know what's going to happen." And it's really awesome. Cuz Tyrion had mentioned that his father had knew about the uh, wildfire, or was it his grandfather? I think it was his grandfather. Grandfather um, put that all that wildfire at the bottom of King's Landing, mm-hmm. like like the red. He's keep. been collecting it for years and collecting years, it for and years, years and years and years, and it's all in there. And it was like like that episode was the first time we saw a real big battle, mm-hmm. and it was just really awesome to see like the potential of what. HBO and Game of Thrones can do. Mm-hmm. And isn't this the battle where Tyrion gets his scar on his it face? Is. Yeah, mm-hmm. there. Yeah, he takes a sword right down the, right down his face, like at a diagonal, and like for a second, I thought like his head was just sliced in half because mm-hmm. he had that look like, oh my god, like I oh my died. god, like my face is just gonna like fl- like slide off, and it just ends up being like a really nasty scar. It's kind of endearing, too, because for a little person who's been told nothing that in this show, he's been told that he's nothing and you're just this little imp and you're you're a, a mistake, basically, by his father. And his father looks down on him because he's a small person that he's so, let's go into battle and save our city. And, like, he's just an amazing fighter and has a big heart to save his people versus... I'm going to go cower because I'm little and I can't do it. Yeah. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. He's had a lot of he had a lot of like heart and passion. Mhm. He, he likes to he has a lot of doubters and he tries his hardest to prove them wrong. Okay, so my second one is um there there's a character called Brenly who is Stannis's brother and he was killed by Stannis's demon ghost, which actually comes out of um, Melisandre's. It's 
technically like a baby. Like she's pregnant. Yeah, she was pregnant. Basically. And she's in the, this cave and Mock gives birth to, it's like a black demon ghost that like comes out of her vag and it like flies around and all of a sudden flies up to Renly and like stabs him. Yeah. Just kills him. And you're like, what in the hell is this? Because Melisandre's like a, she's a witch basically, if you want to talk about it. Like she's a. They call her a red priestess or whatever, but basically she's like a dark witch, kind of, sort of. She believes she's, that she has powers from, like, the Lord of Light. Right. She believes the Lord of Light gives her these powers to help and see the future and stuff like that. Yeah. So it was, first of all, it was crazy, because you're like, first of all, this is not supposed to be a sci-fi type show with the with the ghosts and the demons and whatever. Yeah, it kind of got a little weird. It got a little crazy, but... um. It was interesting to see, because you were starting to like Renly and starting to see a good character him, and again, they kill him off. So it's like, oh, the one character I start to like, and then you kill them again. So, But it was really awesome to see. Was she even pregnant for nine months, or was that... I don't think so. It didn't say anything like that. It didn't seem like it. And you didn't even notice she was pregnant until she, like, reveals her belly, and you're like, oh. It's like, where the hell did that come from? Because she slept with Stannis once, right? Yeah. And like she almost forced him to do it. I mean, because mm-hmm. he was kind of not wanting to. And then the next thing you know, she has this belly and then she sits on the ground and gives birth to this black demon ghost. It was really weird. Right. Yeah. So like when the ghost comes in and stabs Renly, the guards outside of the tent, they were like in a like a very large tent. The guards come in and they think it was Brienne of Tarth mm-hmm. who did it. And, like, she's has to fight. And then, like, she basically escapes, doesn't she? Like, she... Yeah, because she ends up taking Jamie later and whatever. Which, why don't we have Brienne of Tarth on this new character's list? She becomes a main character in this whole show. That's a good point. <laughs> Brienne, she... Brienne of Tarth was going to be the hand to Renly. Renly was the king of... Uh, what, what was he the king of? I don't even remember now. Renly? Yeah. Um, because she was going to be his hand. Because she won a battle and she asked to be his hand and he said okay. And then she was supposed to be protecting him and he got stabbed by the ghost. Yeah. Um. We're going to have to research. I don't remember that, that now. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, Brianna Tarth, yeah, I should have definitely had her on the new characters list. She's a tall, blonde, she's badass. A, she's like an Amazon woman. She's an Amazon woman. Like it's pretty cool. She could be Wonder Woman, basically. Mm-hmm. She's not as hot as Wonder Woman, but Ugh. she could. <laughs> it's like so not important. Yeah, it's so not. Okay, what's your number My two? My number two is pretty simple. Tyrion smacks the shit out of Joffrey oh Baratheon. God. So amazing. It was like early on in season two. Because we all just want to slap the shit out of Joffrey. I mean, oh, this kid is such a prick. If our son ever does anything close to Joffrey, we're selling him. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're out of this he's, family. He's out sorry. of control. There's no like fixing him. And that just means we're shitty parents. Like, no, sorry, right. this guy is a dick. Yeah, I'm. Bl- he's fit. What, fifteen or fourteen in the show, and he's a dick. Yeah, yeah. Basically, he's like basically got an attitude. He's mouthing off, and his mom thinks you know the world of him and thinks he does no wrong and 
Tyrion just comes up and smacks the shit out of him, and it was pretty amazing. It was awesome. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. It was a nice highlight moment. Okay, so my season, or season, my <laughs> third moment was Osha. It says Hosha, ugh, Osha helped Bran and Rickon escape Winterfell. So Osha is a wildling yep. that they captured in season one. And she was basically like a slave to Winterfell. And she was doing things and chores and whatever. Anyway, when Theon Greyjoy comes and takes over Winterfell, he basically says he's going to kill the boys because he's going to prove to his father that he's not part of the Starks and that's what he needs to do is kill these boys to become Lord of Winterfell and whatever. And so Osha helps Bran and Rickon escape and run away from Winterfell. But actually they're hiding in Winterfell the whole time. Right, yeah. They're like right under Theon's nose the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool that a wildling who was basically made a slave and captured by Bran and Rickon's family, she helped them escape anyway so that they wouldn't get murdered. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really awesome because wildlings are known not to care about anybody but themselves. And it was neat to see that she had a bigger heart and wanted to protect these boys because there was nobody else to protect them, especially Bran can't walk. So Right. Yeah, she's a little bit different than most wildlings. What's your third one? My third one is just the dynamic between Jon Snow and Egret. So Egret is a wildling as well. Jon Snow, he's a member of the Night's Watch. The Night's Watch had kind of split up and they were, I believe they were like north of the wall and they'd find a pack of wildlings. Um, and they were going, they were going to capture them, and ends up that the wildlings actually capture Jon Snow, and so he, Jon Snow, or I'm saying this all wrong, <laughs> because I don't even know where you were going with that. <laughs> Okay, three people that don't know. I'm just looking at him like, okay. You're trying to like figure. I'm out. trying to figure out what story he's telling. Start over. Okay, so your number three is say it again. My number three is the dynamic between Jon Snow and Egret. Okay, Egret is a wild. Egret is a wildling. Jon Snow is from the member of is in the Night's Watch. Is in the Night's Watch. Okay, so the Night's Watch is to keep the wildlings away, keep them north of the wall, right? right? Yes. So. When they come upon them, they're basically he captures her and he's gets separated from his group, so he's trying to catch back up to them. Yeah. The other knights watch people. And the the dynamic between them is she's trying to manipulate him basically to let her go. And so she's like touching him because he know she knows that the Night's Watch men do not sleep with women. They don't right. touch women. They don't so she's like rubbing on him and rubbing her butt on him to stay warm and she's all like flirty and whatever. Kind of get, you know, and it's sexual. and it's making Jon Snow kind of uncomfortable, but he kind of likes it. Yeah. And so you're you're like, are they gonna do it? Are they gonna do it? Oh, he likes it, he's gonna do it. Nope, they don't do it. So it's it's kinda interesting like, to see him kind of be a little vulnerable, yeah. if you will. So that's what I that's the dynamic I liked, is just like the her you know, doing all that, those shenanigans and him like trying to like, you know, stay 
keep you know say that oath or say true to that night's watch rule right so i think that was this is the shortened version of whatever you were trying to get to and well i'm story. getting like my stories i feel like, like you were like, telling the long version of that i'm gonna get my stories mixed, mixed <laughs> up or okay go okay on. so number my number four is rob stark um, he actually falls in love in a in a real way. You know, a lot of these marriages and relationships in this show are based on um, who's going to be queen and king and what can they get for it. And I'm going to trade you this woman for this land or I'm going to trade you for the gold or animals or whatever it may be. And Rob actually falls in love with this woman because he loves her, not because he's going to gain anything by being with her or he's going to... Um, become king of some land he just he really likes her he likes how he feels around her and i think it kind of shocks his mom because he's supposed to marry somebody else for land basically and his mom's like are you really sure you want to do this and he's like i'm in love with her i I, there's nothing i can change about that right and when they finally have sex it's almost like you're watching them fall in love because it's so passionate yeah yeah you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like a good good moment. It was, I like that relationship. Yeah. Which becomes sad and I think that's what, season four? Is that season four or season three? It might be season three. We'll talk about sp- that later. Oh. Nah, don't talk about it. Okay. My number four is when Daenerys' dragons burn one of the 13 from Karth. Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah, that was so... I'll just set the stage here. Hopefully I'll, you know, get it right. So after Daenerys loses her Kalasar, mm-hmm. um, she goes traveling to try to find a new place to live. She comes across Karth, who is run by like a, the government is like a 13 member council. Yeah, basically. And she gets, she struggles to get in. She finally gets in. She basically wants to borrow ships so she can um, go across the narrow sea to get to King's Landing because she wants the Iron Throne back. That's like her whole goal in life, get the Iron Throne because that's where her father once was. And they're like, no, I'm not giving you our ships. You know, we don't even know you. And she's very adamant. And there's one member of the 13 that it's, he's a really thin guy. He's bald. He take captures her dragons, takes them to this house of undying, mm-hmm. and she and some of her, some of the, um, oh, what are they? What do they call the? The thirteen members of their team. No, like the people she brought over. Oh, some of her Kalasar people. Yeah, I cannot remember what that what that group of people are called. I can't remember. Yeah. Either. Anyways, so some of them have died and she goes to the house of undying and she find, runs into this, you know, skinny guy and her, her little baby dragons are still like real tiny. And, um, think of small chihuahua size, basically. Yeah. Small chihuahua size with like tails and wings. And, um, so the one the guy is standing there and she's got her dragons and she basically, this is like the first time they breathe fire and she goes, 
Dracarys. Which and is they, the command to basically kill. Basically. The command to, like, kill. And they, with all their power, all, like, ten pounds of what they have, they blow fire and they burn this guy. And it's, like, a really, like, awesome moment for her. It's awesome to see the beginning of these dragons and see they actually have power and she's training them and they're listening to her. Yep. And she's forming that relationship that's going to be very valuable later. Yeah. So it's really cool to see because she gets like knocked down through the whole season and it's just nice to see her come up on top. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And that's kind of like how it goes every season. I feel like, you know, she gets like knocked down all the time trying to get to where she wants to go and she finally gets there at the top. So it was, it was a nice moment in the show. What's oh. your number four? I already did or, number no, four. number five. Yep. Okay, so my number five is when Jack and Hagar helps Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie escape. And um, basically Arya becomes kind of like a, a maiden or what, I don't know how you want to say it, like a servant to um, the Lannister's father. Tywin. Tywin, yes. Yeah. And, but Tywin doesn't recognize Arya. He doesn't know that Arya is a Stark Girl. Yeah, they haven't encountered enough for him to know for who him she to is. know. So she's yeah. lied about who she is, but she knows she's in trouble. She can't stay there because if he finds out who she is, it's going to be very bad, and he probably will kill her. Yeah. So Jack and Hagar, she saved him in season one from being. Is it season one or season two? I can't remember. She saved him from being basically burned in this cage just because he was locked up, and so he came to her and said. I'll kill three people for you because you saved me and two others. So you owe death three lives, basically. And so she has him kill a guard and she has him kill somebody, a punisher. And then she wants to escape. So she threatens Jackin and says, my third name is Jackin Hagar, basically saying he has to kill himself. And he said, no, don't do that to me. And so she said, I'll take it back if you help us escape. Right. And he said, okay. So basically he kills all these guards and leaves the gate open so her and her friends can escape to safety and then she has to take his name back from him. Which we'll find out later that this Jack and Hagar is actually the man without a face. Yeah. So you'll want to remember him because he comes back to play a very important part of this show later in later seasons. It's not going to be in season three or four, but it'll be later seasons and you're going to be like, Oh, yeah, I remember you. Mm-hmm. So I just really enjoyed that Arya. You're starting to see Arya become into her own a little bit, and she's learned to manipulate to get where she needs to get because she already has this list in mind of things that she needs to do to get revenge for her family. So you're starting to see her build her little backbone, even though she's still so young. Yeah, she definitely has an agenda, and she's doing what she needs to do to... To get it done. Get like, it done she's not going to let anything stand in her way. Whatever she has to do, whether it's good or bad, she's going to do it to get it done. Right, yeah. So, yeah, um, the Jack and Hagar, he's he's no one. If you watch the show, you'll know what that means. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Okay. Number five for you. Number five is when Rob and Caitlin lock up Jamie. Oh, so yeah. So, finally, at the end of season one, there is, like... A battle going on. It's not, you know, not, nothing that you see on the show. It's kind of going in the the background. And they finally get Jamie. They have him held hostage. 
and they have they have him like locked up in a fence fenced in area and who is it rob rob knows mm-hmm. that um joffrey and marcella and tommen are his kids right he knows that they were sleeping together as brother and sister yeah mm-hmm. yeah and you can it's tell obvious because they all have blonde hair right baratheons none of them, have black hair none of them look like baratheons no so it's this cool like it was cool to see her and him caitlin and rob call him out on that mm-hmm. and it's just like yes you know finally like jamie's you know going down and well and i think you kind of see another side to jamie lannister as well you i think i mean also you know he's a bad person because he's doing his sister disgusting <laughs> but i feel like you see he's kind of ruthless and he gets captured you know and he's in this cage and he's like straight up talking to another prisoner like just talking back and forth and all of a sudden he just fucking chokes him out and kills him and you're like i didn't see that coming like he's very ruthless and sneaky and conniving and he uses that to his advantage right yeah so yeah so those are all really good moments in the show and those are just some there are many many others but those were just some of the ones that stood out for us really that was like 10 moments that really like stuck out to us and i'm sure that they stuck out to a lot of other people too and i'm sure there's other ones that other people like more than these but these are some of the ones that we really liked and like we said like season two was not as like strong you know visually or there weren't very. There weren't a bunch of epic battles or a bunch of deaths, and wasn't a like a ton of drama, really. Right. So it's like, like he said, it's like a bridge to season three because season three it'll be in more in depth and more interesting. But they had to do more character developing to really get to the storyline that they want. So right. Anyway. So, do you feel like you um, paid attention to season two like pretty well? Um, I hope so. I mean, I know you like you're. You know, being a mom and everything. Yeah. So. Uh, most of the time when we were watching this, I was trying to rock Logan to sleep. So um, I think I know most of it. I'm sure there's things I've forgotten. Well, I'm going to put you through a quiz. Oh, great. Okay. So I kind of stumbled across a quiz on the internet. Don't okay. look at the answers. <laughs> I stumbled across a quiz and I took it myself. Oh, what did you get? I got 15 out of 20. Oh, that's Correct. pretty good. Which was a 75%. I'll probably get like two out of 20, so. The average score was 85%. Oh, oh, you're below average. Below average. <laughs> Sounds like a personal problem. It does. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I still love you. All right, so we got 20 questions. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. Are these multiple choice? Yeah, I'll give you multiple choice. Okay. Okay. What does Tyrion use to save King La- King's Landing against Stannis Baratheon's fleet? The wildfire. Yeah, so you don't even need okay. multiple choice. All right, so I got one. Okay, I'm getting, I, need a I got a tally. Don't you worry. Okay. So question number two. What do the Night's Watch discover about Craster? Who's Craster? Exactly. <laughs> See, there was a little character there that we overlooked. You want your multiple choice? Yeah. He refuses to allow his daughters to ever marry. He murders his granddaughters. He is a wildling. He marries his daughters and sacrifices his sons. 
He marries his daughters and sacrifices his sons. That is correct. Mm-hmm. So now do you know who Craster is? Yes, I know who he okay. is now. <laughs> After you said he murders the very first multiple choice you gave me, I'm like, oh, I remember who this is now. Yeah. Question number three. Okay. Sansa's new handmaiden is? Tyrion's girlfriend. What's her name? I don't know. She's a whore. I don't know. Excuse me? She is. I know. Do you want your multiple choice? Yeah. We have Ross, Marcella, Marjorie, or Shay. Shay. Yep. Question number four. Gendry, fearing for his life, escapes King's Landing with... King's Landing? With Arya? I don't know. Yeah. That's right. Oh, see? The Night's Watch find shelter with... Caster. Or... Yeah, that's right. Okay. His name is Craster. Craster, sorry. Whatever. Sam is keen to help... Sam is what? Keen to help. What does that mean? Like he's like focused on helping... Oh, Jon Snow. Wrong. Oh. Gilly. Oh. Remember Gilly? Yeah. You got that one wrong. Oops. Okay, so I'm at five. Okay. All right, next question. Rob has fallen in love with... I don't remember her name. It's going to be multiple choice. I didn't remember it either. What's the multiple choice? Brianna Tarth. No. Marjorie Tyrell. No. Egret. No. Talissa McGear. Talissa. I don't know if that's how you say her last name. It's her. My, my jeer. My gear. Yeah, it's her, Talissa. Next question. Renly marries. Renly marries Marjorie. Yep. But it's never consummated because he likes boys. Ooh. They show that. Oh, he's making out. That. He's making out with L- L- not Loris, Marjorie's brother. Yeah, Renly is a he's a gay man. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. Mm-hmm. Who promises to kill any three individuals for Arya? Jack and Hagar. Yep, that's right. In Harrenhal, Arya is hired as a servant by... Tywin Lannister. Yep. Where does Daenerys go to retrieve her stolen dragons? The House of Undead. Or Close, the... but it's not Undead. It's the dying house un- of the dying undying undying that's technically Get, right i'll give it to you next question bran and rickon are rescued at winterfell by osha yep acting hand is like acting hand of the king is in uh king's landing, king's landing. is Tyrion. yep Theon returns to his family home in. Ooh, the Iron Islands. There's a name for it. Oh, <laughs> multiple choice then. Carth, Winterfell, no. Harrenhal, Pike. Pike? Yes. Oh, that was a guess. Get that one right. Theon's father is. Theon's father. I mm, multiple choice. Euron Greyjoy, Aeron Greyjoy, Ned Stark, or Balon Greyjoy. Oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. <laughs> Euron. 
Nope. It's Balon. Balon. Dang it. All right. Next question. In episode three, Pycelle is... I don't know. Multiple choice. Dies. Is murdered on Joffrey's orders. Is seduced by Cersei. Is imprisoned. Is murdered. Wrong. Okay. Wait, did you say imprisoned? No, I said murdered. Okay, it's imprisoned. Okay. Next question. Braun is promoted to... Um... I don't know. <laughs> All right, your multiple choice is Grand Meister, Master of Coin, Night's Watch, Commander of the Watch. Master of Coin? No. Commander of the Watch. Braun? That's what it says. Master of the Watch, not the Night's Watch. Right. There's a difference. Okay. I think I got that wrong, too. Okay. That was confusing. Okay. See, they're getting harder now because most people got them wrong. Mm-hmm. So they're at the bottom. All right. The third from the last question. We're in question 18. Okay. Which member of the Council of 13 persuades the others to allow Daenerys entry into Karth? Multiple choice. Davos. Pri. The Spice King. Daxos. Davos. Wrong. Are you serious? It's Daxos. Oh. D-A-X-O-S. Stupid. All right. Next question. Mm-hmm. Salador San is recruited by... I don't even know who Salador San is. <laughs> All right. Your multiple choices. Daenerys Targaryen. Jorah Mormont. Davos Seaworth, Yara Greyjoy. Mormont. Wrong. God dang it. It's Davos Seaworth. I don't even know who that is, so I can't even tell you who recruited him. Davos Seaworth? No, Sal. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not drawing a blank on him. I must not have been (laughs) paying attention close enough. Or he must have been a minor character. Okay, last one. Last one. Who was exiled by Tyrion? Multiple choice. Bronn. Ross, Slint, Grandmeister Pycelle. Pycelle. Nope. It's a Slint. I don't even know who Slint is. I know. <laughs> I don't, how are you supposed to answer these questions? You don't know who these people are. This, well, we were... this quiz was bullshit, just so everybody knows. None of this had anything to do with anything. Well, well again... You know, none of these details... We're taking this, care no, of a six-month-old. None of these details in this quiz had anything to do with the main storyline. And yes, I missed seven questions if you were counting. So I beat you. Only because he cheated. No, I didn't. He's Googling them while he's taking the quiz. So what's... Funny, uh, I didn't know about this quiz till ten minutes ago. What's 13 out of 20? Probably like sixty uh, percent or something. Sixty-five percent. Sixty percent. Sixty-five. That's not bad. Like, I blame it that I don't know who half the characters were. You're lucky I know the main characters. You did pretty good. All right, so that was the quiz. That was something a little fun to do. To throw at you. You weren't expecting it. All right, let's. All right, so let's do some beer drinking. Let's get into the beer segments. All right. Here is a word from the Hopped Up Network. If you are looking for more beer podcasts just like the one you're listening to right now, then head on over to hoppedupnetwork.com. 
we are a podcast network focused on our local craft beer communities. Here's a quick example of one of the many podcasts you will find. Pacific Beer Chat brings together a collective of West Coast beer bloggers sharing our opinions on events, issues, and well-crafted brews. We hope you will check out the podcast at PacificBeerChat.com and at Pacific Beer Chat on social media and podcast apps, including Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Music is by Conundrum. Welcome to Pacific Beer Chat. All right, for our in-beer, we have... The Midnight Retreat Imperial Stout. This beer is brewed by Hop River Brewing Company out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Drinking local tonight. (laughs) This beer sits at 7.75% ABV. It's extremely dark with a thick tan head. This guy can sneak up on you. Dark chocolate, roasted coffee, stone fruit, and other mysterious flavors live in this dark world. I look at this beer, and it's very dark. It is very it's, it's dark. It's black. You cannot see through it. It's very dark. I poured it, and yeah, it had a, you know, it had like a one-inch tan head. Which was, yeah. Which was pretty neat. Good-looking beer. I smell it. I can smell the dark chocolate, the coffee some roasted nuts you definitely smell the chocolate at first when you first sniff it first of all let's just get out of the way that i am not a craft beer drinker and so my opinions are going to be way off and way weird compared to anybody else that really drinks craft beer so for me who doesn't when you smell it you're like oh my god about knocks you off your seat because it's very strong smelling but you do smell the chocolate and you do smell a little bit of the coffee right which is enjoyable the more you smell it the more enjoyable it is does that make sense yeah, it does. And I like getting your perspective on this because you're okay with drinking like a Bud Light Platinum. I'm okay with Bud Lights. Like You're really, okay with Bud Lights. I'm okay with that. Like, I yeah. don't, I'm not a craft beer person. It's just not me. It's not for everybody. So right. you're just going to get a probably off the wall opinion. You guys are probably going to love all this. And I'm going to be like, this is gross, but too bad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so the nose is good. Roasted nuts, coffee, dark mm-hmm. chocolate. Yeah, it smells amazing. It does really opinion. smell good. The first smell was a little overpowering, but the more I've sat here and smelled it, and it it grows on you. I do enjoy it. Mm. So let's do a little taste taster here. It's pretty good. Yeah. For a person that doesn't drink craft beer, I, I enjoy it. I could drink a pint of this. I probably wouldn't drink four pints of this because I'm... Not a huge beer drinker, but I could drink a pint of this because it has a little bit of a bitter at the end, but it's very smooth. Yeah, I would describe this as it's a little bit crisp at the front end of it and a little bit like bitter and dry, like you said, like on the back end. Mm-hmm. But most of it is it's pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. It's it's drink it's very drinkable. I feel like I taste the coffee. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice balance. I like. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's not heavy on the coffee or the chocolate. Right. You know, it's, it's it still tastes like beer, but there's still other undertones that are make it less. I don't know what I don't know what word I'm looking for. It's just it's good. It's not like they're they don't come in and they're they don't just like dump like forty pounds of coffee beans right in here and. And stuff like, yeah, it's a really balanced beer. And it's, 
Right. I enjoyed it. It's very it's very tasty. You know what's interesting is it's labeled an imperial stout, mm-hmm. but it's only seven point seven percent ABV, which is low. I mean, you know, I hear imperial and I'm like, okay, this is automatically going to be like a twelve percent, thirteen percent beer. So what do you think they do to it or don't do to it that makes it lower? I just think like they're, you know, when they add their their sugars to this beer, like it doesn't, it doesn't, that alcohol is not, it's prominent. Like you don't, you don't get that imperial like bite. I get what you're saying. Like, um, you know, you drink that beer and you're like, damn, it tastes like they just threw bourbon in there. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the case on this beer. And maybe that's why I'm able to enjoy it a little more because it's not like that. I yeah, because I, I can guarantee other imperial stouts, I'd be like, no freaking way. I guarantee if this was a twelve percent beer, you would not be drinking this. I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not. You would take one sip and say, you can finish it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, this is. I mean, as far as like stouts go, I know you don't usually use the word crushable with like a stout. But I think this is the closest thing because that, that's, that's a new term. I would say, what does crushable mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's a it's like a new term for like beer drinkers. Like they actually are coming out with beers. Like there's one called Candy Crushable. It's just like a, you know, a candy IPA. It's it's kind of got like, um, they like a little bit of a bubblegum like flavor to it, like. It's still like an okay, but like what does pale... crushable mean? You're not explaining. Crushable it. just means it's it's good. It's or... good. It's easy enough to drink it like all the time. All the time. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, like, as far as a stout, this is the closest thing I would put crushable with. If that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense to me. So. I can't say whether it is crushable or not because I don't I don't drink stouts, so I can't compare it to anything else. But I will say, as a woman. A woman who doesn't drink craft beer that this is very tasty and I can drink this. Yeah. Especially for a dark beer. I am very much a light beer type of person. If I can't see through it, I don't normally drink it. So for it being a dark beer like this, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think Hop River, you know, they did a good job of brewing a beer that most people can enjoy but still keep like the craft beer enthusiasts you know happy mm-hmm. and uh, so i think they did on this one i think mm-hmm. they did a really good job yep agreed um so typically on this show we we do like ratings for like one out of five caps uh, what would you how would you rate this <laughs> I, I know like you're not um, it's gonna probably be like a little bit off you're trying to be a little bit i guess under. i would give it i i would give it like a four because if i'm willing to drink it it's not like, oh, I could drink six of these. I guess that would be my five. But I could drink this. So I would say a four. Four caps for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just probably go up uh, a quarter cap on that. 4.25. Because the guys always make fun of me because I'm always rating higher than them. And they're like, is there anything you don't like, Pale? No. He likes everything. Like, I think I'm just like a... He's like a human garbage disposal. If you yeah, and don't I'm, know this. Like... And I'm a really nice guy. I like. I hate... He doesn't like confrontation. Right. I like, hey, I like, I don't want to like knock a beer like way down and then like that brewery come back at us be like, you guys are crazy. Why didn't you like that beer? You know, I don't want that confrontation. Ladies, marry somebody that doesn't like confrontation because then you win every fight. It's really awesome. No, no, we are so (laughs) wrong. So 
four and a quarter for me. Four, four for me. Four for you. Mm-hmm. I looked at rate beer and beer advocate, all that stuff. This beer is too local to be on there. It is on un- untapped at like 3.80 out of 76 oh, ratings. So I wasn't that far off. Yeah, 3.8. I mean, that's pretty solid. It's pretty good. Yeah. Typically, we see anywhere from 3.5 to like 3.7. So I think you can... I know like the ratings, 76, that's like way under what we usually see. We usually see over 1,000 ratings. So yeah, this is a really solid beer. It comes recommended for sure. Yeah. Good job, Hop River. Mm -hmm. We're keeping it local tonight. Before we get to our out beer, here is Saf to tell us how you can find us on internet and our social medias. While we are getting the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Drink and Geek Out. Get all sorts of cool, fancy updates and pictures. You can also check out our show notes and other fun stuff over on our website at drinkandgeekout.com. And you can email us any comments or suggestions at drinkandgeekout at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content, and that is patreon.com slash drinkingeekout. And now, back to the show. Okay, for our out beer, we have Game of Thrones Winter is Here. Winter is Here is a Belgian-style double white ale brewed by a brewery, Omegang, out of Cooperstown, New York. This beer is an 8.3% ABV. IBUs are not available. And do you want to read the description on this beer? Yep. Um, Winter is Here is a Belgian-style double white ale, fittingly for a double white walker ale. The ale, or I'm sorry, the label is graced by the ominous visage of the Night King, who is expected to arrive as forcefully in Season 7 as this beer's 8.3% percent abv will arrive in your stomach winter is here is brewed with pilsner malt white wheat malt and soft red wheat flakes hopped with saz hops and spiced with white pepper sea salt coriander and sweet orange peel brewery amagang's house yeast is used in primary and secondary fermentation the double white ale pours a hazy pale straw color with a stark white head. Aromas of banana, clove, and pronounced peppery fennels lead, and the flavor is slightly sweet malt, subtly balanced by hints of sea salt. Despite a full mouth feel with heavy ABV, it is still manages to drink quite lightly. The finish gradually builds in a warming crescendo of peppery spice. So I wanted to mention Beer Advocate, Rate Beer, and Untapped before we get into our little review of the uh, the beer. On Beer Advocate, the BA score is a 3.91 out of 5. Very good out of 105 ratings. There is a review that I found. The person is unidentified. This review says, The beer is not bad, but it has some flaws. One of the main flaws is the sweetness. The sweetness comes across too strong and persists. The beer looks good, like a wheat beer should, 
cloudy-ish and fluffy head. The smell is also a little too sweet for my liking. I did not pick up any of the coriander or pepper promised. Taste is similar to nose with that sweetness. So we'll see if if we're uh, if we agree with that. On rate beer, this beer is getting a 97 overall with a 98 style. That's really really good. Just one description of it: hazy, orange color, huge, white head, Belgian yeast, wheat malt, peppers, coriander, and orange and aroma. Sweet, yeasty, spicy taste with some dry bitterness at the end. And on Untapped, it is getting a 3.77 out of 12,000 ratings. So very positive from the, you know, the people of the internet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, visually, it's a pretty clear beer. It's, you know, yellow, gold. It's golden. It's very pretty. Very golden. I think it's highly carbonated. Look at the bubbles. Yeah, just, you can see the bubbles just floating. Bubbles just floating up to the top. Um, it comes in, it looks like a champagne bottle, honestly, and it's corked. It's not like capped, really. Right. It's corked like a sh- like a champagne bottle. You pop it almost and it makes that. It, yep. Like I, I was almost afraid it was going to explode, but. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the carbonation thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, it popping like that. It's like releasing that carbonation. Mm-hmm. Um, smell wise. I don't think it smells super sweet. I guess I don't agree with that whole statement. It doesn't smell peppery to me either, but it doesn't smell like... I'm not like, ooh, sugar, sweet. I mean... Banana, I don't smell that. Now that they mentioned peppery, I'm getting a little bit of that on the nose. This definitely is like your typical wit beer, Hefeweizen smell. Um... Not don't know so much about the coriander and the smell. I don't. I know that's a spice. I don't smell that. Um, I'm gonna take a take a sip and okay, and see what I think. I feel like you're making a face. <laughs> yeah, I'm not loving it. I just not. I like the other one. I like the other one better. To be honest with you, yeah, the midnight retreat was a lot better. Um, this one. I get the peppery at the very back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty light tasting. It is light. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like an overly carbonated, like, wheat beer, basically. Pretty much. I think, and maybe that's why I don't like it, because it is so carbonated. It's not, I don't know. It's yeah. too bubbly or something. Yeah, I mean. It's not terrible. It's just not, um. I don't know what say Saz hops are. Or whatever. That's a, that's a new one for me. Um, spice with white pepper, sea salt, coriander, and sweet orange peel. Coriander. I don't know. I don't. I don't get orange peel when I taste. I don't it. get orange peel either. Maybe they tried to put too many different flavors in it, and it just kind of went. Ugh. It kind of like canceled them all out and yeah. kind of made it mute. That might be. But like the description, I'm you know I'm expecting like kind of some variation of blue moon that's exactly what i was gonna yeah. say yes <laughs> i was expecting kind of a blue moon taste to it and it's definitely not that and i'm like yeah i think they might have did a little bit too much to it kind of thrown in maybe too many malts <laughs> they made or... it too complicated and it didn't turn out for them i don't feel right 
So I'm not not loving this beer. I definitely don't think it's like bad. It's just personally I'm not I'm not digging it. It's not my favorite for sure. It's not my right. favorite beer that I've ever had, so So and from like a on a one to five cap score, what you, how are you feeling on this? Like maybe like a two point five. Two point five? Mm-hmm. Really? Um, let me take another sip. Let me just get my last evaluation <laughs> he wants, here. He wants to give it like a seven. <laughs> seven? Five is the highest. <laughs> just say like, because you like to go higher than everybody. Um. Okay, so just I'm going to give it a, a three and a half because, you know, personally, because I, I don't prefer this. Like, I don't think this is something I would put on my radar, but the, uh, the style of it, the uniqueness, you know, like rate beer was saying it had a very high style score. I'm going to give it a three and a 3.5. Okay. So, all right. So that concludes our drinking segment. Also concludes our geeky talk on Game of Thrones season two. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that wasn't very informative. Didn't put anybody to sleep. Hopefully it wasn't too in detail. It wasn't too in detail. Hope it Um, was a little more enjoyable. Do you have any, you know, last, anything we want to mention? I feel like we're going to try and get through all the seasons since we have till 2019 to wait for the next season of Game of Thrones. That's like. So maybe we'll get through all these seasons so everybody's up to date by the time the next season comes out. Kind of old news, but yeah, season eight won't be out until 2019. So I think we have, you know, a year to get, um, get more season, get you know, the more seasons in, because we are planning to do season three, season four, five, six, and seven. We only got five to do. Sorry. Five to do. There's we, only we can, ten episodes in each one. We could maybe push out like an episode of every three months. That's possible, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that concludes the show. All right. See you guys later. Bye. Proud member of the Hopped Up Network.